Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Thank you for joining this ACB Diabetics in Action call. Established in 2005, ACBDA is a special interest affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. Our primary mission is to educate and support individuals living with diabetes and vision loss, parents and caregivers. If you would like more information about ACBDA, please send an email to acbdaorg at gmail.com. Our website is www.acbda.org. If you'd like to become a member, dues are $10 annually. Visit our membership page and website at www.acbda.org. Please keep in mind that we are not medical professionals and that this call is strictly for informational purposes and is based on our members' and friends' personal experiences. You should consult with your medical team before making any changes to your diabetes care regime. Again, thank you for joining us. All right. Well, good evening, everybody. Um, welcome to our ACB Diabetics in Action October education call. We are glad you are all here with us tonight. We have a very interesting and informative topic tonight. My name is Tom Tobin, and for those that you don't know, I'm the president of ACB Diabetics in Action, and I also happen to be your facilitator tonight. Allison Smitherman is our host. Uh, Larry Gaspin is also helping out. So thanks to you both for helping keep the meeting on track. Um, I'm going to respectfully ask that everybody put themselves on mute, kind of standard operating procedure, um, so we all can give our presenters uh, a clear opportunity to speak without being interrupted by any kind of background noise or whatever. Um, so tonight we have an important topic about relationships, um, something that I've been wanting to do and talk about for a while. Um, uh, we originally had co-presenters, Marilyn Volker and Debbie Hazleton, and sad to say that I found out this afternoon that Marilyn has taken ill. She's had an issue where she's had to be hospitalized. So um, Debbie Hazleton has agreed to carry the torch for us. So thank you, Debbie, so much for being here tonight. Um, it's my honor. We're, we're delighted to have you here tonight. And um, other thing I wanted to mention too, is that um, as you all hopefully saw, I put out uh, emails regarding submitting questions, which we did get some by October 9th, but uh, in compliance with Cindy Hollis's request to follow community call protocol, we will be taking call questions at the end of this call. Um, and um, we will call on people if you raise your hand, ask a question. So, but that'll be happening at the end of this call, providing we have time. And um, so, yeah, so we'll, a little bit of a change in the, in the, uh, program tonight but um we hope that'll work for folks so debbie my dear friend thank you it's take an, it away it's, the floor is yours my dear thank you for the opportunity to do this uh to be here with you with you all tonight i know i'm amongst friends and some that i don't know um but i will tell you that all of this topic of intimacy and relationships is a huge passion of mine it's it's an area that I have struggled with 
and benefited by. It's an area that has fed my life and fed my work um, probably for most of my life. Um, and I think I started in my teens and I'm in my 70s now. So um, it's a long time of research. Um, and so I was a mental health counselor for over 30 years, a massage therapist for over 15. I am still uh, an ordained minister, but I've decided that my my real area is relationships of overarching um, area to concentrate on really for the rest of my life. Dr. Marilyn Volker and I have been friends since the early 80s. And I used to be fascinated because even though Marilyn is, and we are not going to be explicit with this call, I want to say, but Marilyn is a sexologist. But what does that really mean? It means helping people with relationships more than what you would think. That's what it really means is helping people with relationships. And that has much more to do with what's between the ears and what's between people. And so that is what we're going to be talking about a lot uh, to start with. Now, there will be other facets to this going forward if your affiliate, your affiliate, your affiliate, not your affiliate, your affiliate wants to go forward with this. Um, that will be other sessions and handled probably as um, an affiliate activity, not, I would think, not so much as a community call, but that's for you all to work out. Um, if you, okay, if you are afraid of intimacy, you're probably in the right place. If you know you want it, if you know you enjoy it, you know that you're fascinated by it, you're perplexed by it, you have other complications beyond blindness with it, you're also in the right place. And intimacy has, and I'm going to talk for a little while here, and then we will have questions as if you didn't know that. Um, intimacy has also been stated to mean in to me see. I could probably put a little reverb on with that, into me see. <laughs> um, it can be scary. It can feel scary. And it can also feel like getting food in a way, like, oh, somebody finally gets who I am. I think the quest for it is about how do we let ourselves out and how do we let one or more others in? That's what I think intimacy really is. How do we move beyond feeling different, especially if we're blind or visually impaired or low vision and we have other complications such as diabetes? How do we move beyond feeling different to feeling connected? That is like, wow, the overarching kind of question with all the intricacies that go along with blindness and diabetes. And I can tell you, I've written a book about self-esteem. I've written Daily Affirmations book in the past, and both of those were published. I still struggle at times with self-esteem. I still deal with, oh, how are they going to feel about me, this new person, knowing that I happen to be blind? Are they going to feel like I'm a burden? Are they going to feel like they have to take care of me? Are they going to see the good or are they going to put me in a box and label me? And then if other complications come in, like, 
gosh, as I've gotten older, I had a hip replacement. And lately I found out I have a balance issue. Am I going to look old? I don't think so. I hope not, but maybe, maybe I do. Um, I believe we deal in a, in a way, in a dance between isolation and violation. And what I mean by that is I think there are times that we feel left out, excluded, to overly managed. And overly managed, as in, you know, when we think of violation, a lot of times people think that means sexual abuse. Well, I have a, a really large issue, uh, not issue, God, my words, uh, definition of sexual abuse. I think it's anything that interferes with that aspect of intimacy. And that could mean being overly managed, having people come up and push and pull and grab your cane and your harness and talk for you and decide that they know more about your body than you do. Those things are things that I think we all in this room have in common, whether we deal with diabetes or we deal with blindness or we deal with both. You have every right to be the one who knows your body. And I think it's more important when I was in my own therapy years ago, I said, people often think we shouldn't be physical. They want to put us somewhere, sit us somewhere. And my therapist at the time said, you need to be more physical, not less. So I enrolled in couchtoactive.com and I went and just came back with my ninth guide dog just a few days ago. I believe, um, as I said, and Marilyn does too, it's all about what's between the ears. So let's talk a little bit. And this is what Marilyn said over and over. She wanted to talk about tonight, the eight types of intimacy developed by Dr. Marilyn Volker and a women's group. And we need to remember that the thing that people were so charged up about or afraid of talking about in here, sexual intimacy is only one of those eight types, and it's way down on the list. Affectional is one type, and that might be between a parent and a child. It might be between friends, hugging, patting, um, hand-holding. It just might be some form of of um, showing affection. Um Emotional, where do you go? Who do you feel safe with sharing your emotions? You may not have a physical relationship with them, or you may, and but it's a safe place to share emotions. Where do you feel most safe, most comfortable? Social, um, it could mean it, where do you feel at home socially? Being yourself might be a support group might be in ACB, might be um, just a church group or something like that. Intellectual intimacy. There are people who love to share theories, debates, books, uh, going to school, theories, all kinds of things, even intellectual intimacy. Physical intimacy could be sports, other kinds of physical activities that get people involved physically doesn't necessarily have anything to do with sexuality. Aesthetic, aesthetic or aesthetical intimacy, watching a sunset um, might be um, 
listening to a kind of beautiful music that has a specific, uh, specific meaning might have to do with beauty, appreciating art, um, anything that would be aesthetical. Sexual is just, as I said, one type. It might include the act. It might include, yeah, behavior, feelings, but it's usually not what people start discussions with. And that's another reason we're not talking about it so much tonight, because we wouldn't just open the door with a brand new person and jump right into that if we're really wanting to be intimate. And the last of the eight types is spiritual intimacy. It could be deeply personal. It could be rituals. It could be um, just a deep way of being involved and sharing spirituality that feels um, intimate to the people involved. And it might be an individual in those um, spiritual activities alone. And um, maybe many of these, uh, some of these could be not always with another person. Some of these might be alone. Five kinds of touch. Um, again, I think Marilyn came up with this. Observational. How does touch feel? Now, one of my uh, passions that I've been thinking about is that I don't think a lot of people really even know what kind of touch they want and don't want. And I'm not just talking about blind people. Blind people might be more apt to know, but not always. And a lot of sighted people don't know what they really want and don't want are never comfortable sharing what they really want and don't want. Don't feel safe sharing what they want and don't want. And a lot of their partners who they're with don't feel comfortable asking and learning about what someone wants. Isn't isn't that funny? We have this joke that men often don't want to ask directions when they're driving somewhere. <laughs> Not us, because, yeah. <laughs> Our cars are always in the shop, but but um, I always joke about mine being in the shop. I always say the feelers keep breaking off, but um, a lot of people that don't feel comfortable asking for directions don't want to be seen as not knowing, and that's what often happens with people with touch. Oh, I don't want someone to know that I don't know. I'm not automatically the knowledgeable one who knows how to be the perfect romantic partner or something. Um, another kind of touch is playful. It could be with a pet. It could be with a child. It could be between adults, between kids in playful ways. And it's kind of interesting because Marilyn has told me about couples who say, oh, you know, we just do, you know, we just do what we need to do to sort of get the private act done, but we don't really have any special touch. And she'll ask them, well, do you have animals? Do you have children? Do you pet your animals? Do you play with them or you with your children? Oh, yes. Well, then why don't you know how, why don't you do that as people? Well, they don't always. A lot of people don't. So people who are blind don't have a corner on them on the, uh, on the deal of being uncomfortable with some of these things. And we're not the only ones that have self-esteem issues. I've seen lots and lots of sighted people have self-esteem issues and problems with relationships. Another kind of touch is nurturing touch. That's massage. Touch um, could be um, 
hair, touching of the hair, the face, the feet, if the person likes it. If it's nurturing, if it's comforting, it doesn't necessarily mean sexual. It could be just kind touch, caring touch, sensuous, not to be confused with sexual. It might, but not always. Could be what people like to hear, certain kinds of music, certain smells, what some people like to see or taste, any of those things that add to a sense of being comfortable. And some like silence. Some like to hear a voice. I love to hear a voice. It takes me back to early days of being read to, but I love to hear a voice. It's it's so soothing at times. It can be what's very relaxing. And sexual touch is just one of those five kinds. What works for one and what works for another. Um, and it might mean what it is that the both people want and what people don't want. Um, so, you know, it's it's learning, listening, and um, getting to know what each one, including self, wants. So, Marilyn often talked about in fostering intimacy, the four T's. And I think these are super, super important for healthy relationships. And the four T's are talk, touch, time, and trust. Absolutely. Talk, you know, let's talk together. Let's listen to each other. Let's take time to really hear. And one of my favorite authors um, and uh, people in the mental health profession, Dr. Mark Goulston, wrote a book called Just Listen. And he said the art of listening is to help people feel felt, to know that when you talk, that someone feels not just gets your words, not just says, mm-hmm, but really gets what you're saying and what you mean, and that we in turn also do that for other people, and it's called active listening. Listening is an active process, so that's part of talk. Touch, uh, back to what we were just talking about, what kind of touch is meaningful, what kind of touch do you want, what kind of touch do you not want, and it's different for different people. Time. You know, I know with my new dog, I have to put a lot of time into this relationship, into cultivating further of what it is to get to know him, him getting to know me, for us working together and having our own style of of meeting each other's needs in, in how this relationship between guide dog and person work. It's just like two people in an intimate relationship. And trust, building trust. Oh, man so important um, to have that trust and to um, to keep building it and it isn't it isn't just a oh yeah yeah I trust you yeah or you know yeah we're saying that but it's 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 something that happens over time and briefly I want to cover the five love languages okay uh, and that is, how to express heartfelt commitment to your mate. And, you know, when we talk about all these things with intimacy, um, I want to, before I talk about this book by Dr. Gary Chapman, um, I think he's a doctor, um, it's important to remember that intimacy 
some of these relationships are intimate friends and intimate partners. I've asked a lot of couples, were you friends before you became a couple? And many of them say, well, no, not really. We just jumped in. We just got involved. Well, that's interesting. So if you weren't friends, what are you now? And often they'll say, oh, you know, we just have something that works. It's like a comfortable of a pair of old shoes. But um, I would say that's why relationships are a huge part of building intimacy, because it's important to build friendships. It's important to, it doesn't say doctor here, um, it's important to build friendships, it's important to build relationships. So the five love languages, and, and once you understand what someone's is, then you can know that's what they often need. Um, those are um, words of affirmation. Uh, some people need to hear words. Quality time. There we go back to what we were saying about time. Physical touch. We just talked about several different aspects of touch. Some don't like to be touched, and some do. And it doesn't make anyone right or wrong in the same way with words. Some people are, they want to know that there's action, not so much talk, not so much time, or not so much touch, any one of those. And then um, acts of service. For some people, their language is to give acts of service, or they especially appreciate acts of service and receiving gifts. So. Um, we can know that um, a lot of times um, finding that love language that is important to someone might be a way of moving closer to them and knowing what's important to you. I also suggest learning about the Enneagram. If you don't know, it's E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. It's a list of nine personality types that have to do with ways that people are motivated to behave in relationships. It's absolutely fascinating. And there are a number of books on it, on Bookshare, and um, might be some on Bard. There are podcasts on it. It's really interesting. And once you know what your type is, you can understand maybe some of the ways that you uh, get stuck or what feeds you in relationships, you can understand more of what works for certain people based on these nine patterns. So um, those are a lot of the things that I wanted to present, and I knew that Marilyn and I were going to present tonight. Um, it's, I can't say enough, as I have gone along in my own life, I know that while I thought for a long time that the, oh, I don't know, the romantic or the sexual piece of it all was super important, it is, but I know that what really is important and what really makes things work a lot better is to improve relationships. Uh, and that has a lot to do with giving and taking and listening and kindness and all those things. And as I've gotten older, in a way, it has gotten simpler because there's less drama, 
and there's there's more kindness but it does mean still stepping through the weeds of self-esteem sometimes and going ooh i hope my dog doesn't get in the way and and gee if i have a cane what are they going to think of me or or if i have this medical procedure how are they going to treat me or as i said earlier what if they talk about me and not to me and all those things so there were two questions that were submitted and i think I would I think it would be good to go through these two questions and then see about some others that some of you might have. I think that'd um, be great, Debbie. Yeah. Okay. Super so one is about um spouse or attendant. And this person says, as I go through the years, I so often have to why is this thing? I so often counter encounter people whose notion is that my spouse is my attendant that they think and i've seen this with lots of couples you know i i saw one couple where um the woman was in a wheelchair and her husband appeared to be able-bodied and he had more hang-ups and people would come up to him and say oh it's really great you take care of your wife and he'd say are you kidding me she's out there working three <laughs> jobs she's the one that takes care of me yeah. but we um we have i'm trying to figure out how to read this um but anyway we have those times where people make those assumptions and you know what it is to assume and we I think struggle with self-esteem even more and intimacy of gee I want to people please how can I let them know that I'm not just here for them to take care of me well I think this person is asking you know like what can we do about that what can we do about that being a challenge and what do we do when we do need more help and how do we what if we feel emotionally vulnerable? I know that's one of mine. What if we feel emotionally emotionally vulnerable, like we really do need to be held and and be um, feel close and and be able to let out our feelings? Like I said, intimacy. How do we let people in, and how do we let us out? Well, I think sometimes it has to do with learning to discern. The right people because i can't tell you how often i've picked the wrong people people that don't always want the same things um or don't know how to give or receive in those ways and so to to do a better job of discerning and then to take risks and know that even if we don't get what we want or always get what we need in the way that we feel we need it that we're okay. I remember somebody saying to Dr. Phil once, well, you know, I just don't want to get hurt again. And he said, well, you know what? You will get hurt again because you're human. You will feel hurt. But the difference is now you trust you. So I think one of the things that makes it better as I get older, and I hope for all of us, is that we get better at knowing that we are okay and if we don't and when we don't and when we don't feel okay well maybe that's the time to find those people or that person or those places where it feels safe to be emotionally intimate where it really feels safe to do that and to know 
which kind of intimacy you want from whom and where. And Cindy and I were talking earlier today about, you know, it's true, there's like this little tiny circle inside and in our lives where there's just those very, my mother used to say, if you can count um, friends on five fingers, you're really rich. But you, if you have one or two or three really, really, really close friends, you might also be very rich. And so those places where it's really safe to share privately, you know, we have private parts and they are parts of us that really have a right to be private. And we have private people where we can share private feelings and private things. And that's where we don't have to worry about somebody betraying or taking something and, and, you know, doing something, saying something to others or, or whatever, but we know we have that trust. And then there are different levels. I used to talk about, I actually wrote about this in my Solving the Self-Esteem Puzzle book that is in BARD. Um, it's, it's a self-esteem building workbook uh, for moving from peace, P-I-E-C-E, to peace, P-E-A-C-E. And I talked about bedroom, let's see, front porch friends, living room friends, and bedroom friends. And front porch friends, I said, those are acquaintances. Those might be people that are on social networking kinds of things. You know, those are, oh, we got lots of friends, but those might be neighbors. Hey, can I borrow a cup of sugar? Or, well, no, I don't want sugar, if, especially if I'm diabetic but, um, <laughs> or, or any of you are. Uh, yeah. Can I borrow um, a cup of laundry soap? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and, um, but those are people that it's still nice to know, how are you? Is there anything I can do for you? How I, you know, I hope you're okay. Kindness. I, I was talking to a client today. Do you know your neighbors? And a lot of people today don't know their neighbors. Uh -huh. And it's not just a blindness thing. A lot of people don't know their neighbors. So that's front porch friends, acquaintances, social, maybe, um, social networking, living room friends to me are friends that it's kind of neat to hang out with. They're um, people that we might do things with, we might spend time with, and they're fun maybe. They might be people we work with at times, but there's friendliness. But they're still not the most private. Now, bedroom friends, in my mind, are the most intimate. But that doesn't mean that there is sexual anything necessarily going on. It's just that it's the most private friendships. And uh -huh. one person cannot assume of what another person feels just because that isn't the kind of relationship you can't assume that one or one or the other does or doesn't feel a specific way. But it's the most intimate. And so I decided those, those, I called that the bedroom because it's like one of the most private rooms of the house to imagine those kinds of friends. Um, so three kinds of friendships. Um, and so, yeah, I think finding those people and discerning and daring to communicate and make it fun. And even in the second question, the second question was about incorporating um, let's see, uh, where is this? 
Uh, oh, she's saying that person, I don't know for sure if it's a she, but it feels like that attendant is sort of an employee. Um, but yeah. So in this next question, we're talking about um, diabetic uh, insulin pumps and other kinds of equipment and how to deal with that. You know, it's like, well, I don't want to be a burden. I don't like the non-pretty side of some of what has to happen here. How do we deal with that? Well, with any of those things, and some of you who deal with pumps and things might want to speak up in a couple of minutes when I finally stop talking. Um, but how to maybe, maybe make it fun. Maybe make it fun. Play a game, you know, play doctor or play... Uh, I don't know, somebody said something about a spy, spy equipment, but make it so that it's not so serious. And I would tend to pick people, at least I try to pick people more these days, who also know what it's like to be vulnerable, who also know that sometimes they don't feel well. And even if we have to remember that about other people, that there are other people that also have their challenges, their health issues, their health concerns. And so even if it's us in a certain moment or moments, it's it's they're also temporarily able-bodied, remember? <laughs> so um make it fun if you can. Make it okay to be able to be real. And as we are each real, I think that we um open up the courage for others to also be real. And everyone has messiness in their lives. Everyone has vulnerability. Uh, Henry David Thoreau said, we all lives, live lives of quiet desperation. And so those of us who are blind and those who have diabetes and other complications along with blindness, you know, lots of people have complications in their lives and, and have to figure out how to negotiate. So just know that you're not alone. Um, so let's see uh, if anyone has any questions or comments. And just know that if you want more explicit answers, um, there are people you can reach out to. Um, and there are other times for those kinds of questions. Yep. Allison, do we have any hands raised? Not yet. Okay. If anybody Still has waiting. any questions, uh, please raise your hand. Um, and thank you, Debbie, for answering the questions that were submitted ahead of time. We appreciate that. And uh, some may feel like I don't dare ask a question, but you know, I'm sure that um, self-esteem around intimacy. You know, we get we get messages of kind of like, don't touch. Don't show your feelings. Don't, 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 don't be too much of who you are. And then there's this this time for, oh, here's a relationship. Okay, now, now turn on. Now be uh be intimate, be totally open or be totally yourself. And it's like, ah, you know, there's it's not a switch, right, Debbie? It's not a switch. Yeah. It's a process. Yeah. That's why this call started in the way that it is. It's a process of of gradually moving into um places where we can um 
people can share more openly and, and honestly. Absolutely. Yeah. Now we have some raised hands. Good. Hey, Veronica, you are up first. Hi. Hi, thanks. Um, what you were just saying kind of brought this to my head. Part of what happens with me a lot is having to switch gears in terms of how you are with the same person. So in one minute, somebody is kind of putting their hand on your shoulder and shoving you around and going here, there, the couches are here, here, sit, you know, and then 20 minutes later or two minutes later, the person really wants to touch you and hug you and how you switch roles quickly enough and what you might be able to say or do to help define your role, you know, so that, you know, okay, am I helper, helpy? Am I on top? Am I <laughs> inferior? Am I, you know, you know, that's one of the places where I sometimes struggle in my own head, even if the other person isn't necessarily, but I think they might be. And, and I just, it's that switching gears where I struggle. It is. It's a great, great conversation, actually. And it would be really great to even maybe be able to have them have a conversation like that with them. Like, you know, I really love it when we're on that couch and if you're there with me, but I don't like being pushed around like I'm a package. Like, could we just, could we just like cut to the chase? You know, could we just go sit on the couch and <laughs> hold hands and have a really good conversation or, or, you know, or, you know, if you, if you want me to sit on the couch, maybe if you tell me, and let's see about me getting over there or how about holding my hand and bringing me over there or any number of things that introduce the I'm a person and I'm not a package. Um, you know, that's some of, but I can understand the struggle. Um, I do too. And, you know, it's just like couples who are, are, together and they're having arguments about money or about the children and then they go and one expects the other to be intimate and one the other is sort of like you know <laughs> we're struggling <laughs> over money and the kids right. and you want me to what? Can't change gears yeah. yeah and so it's like um when they say and i have to remember this with with guide dogs and i didn't always um not to take it out on my dog. And like you're saying, well, you know, how do I get rid of how I felt when they were talking to me like that before we came over to the couch? It's really hard and not to take it out on our kids when we're frustrated and not to take it out, you know, necessarily on each other. But sometimes we have to be able to say, oh, you know, I've got one of those. There was something that happened to me a couple of weeks ago, and I've just been waiting the, for the right time to say, you know, we need to find another way to deal with this situation when this this comes up and I'll take responsibility for my part of it and say, you know, it's not all on you, but here's what I propose we do differently to make this work. And I think, so. Debbie, this is Tom that, um, you know, we talk a lot about communication, mm -hmm. right? But yep. it's, it's not always an easy thing to do because... When you're dealing with delicate subjects, communication can get really tough, really tough. Yeah, it can, yeah. especially if we feel like somebody's not listening, they've tuned uh -huh. us out, or they feel that we've tuned them out because, I mean, gosh, 
I know I've done that a time or several. <laughs> and and it's hard because we sometimes think we know what somebody's going to say, and sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. But I find increasingly that even if I know, even if I was right about what they were going to say, usually my way of wanting to react to it is not necessarily the best. And so taking the time to hear it and then respond is is something that usually works a lot better but oh veronica i'd love what you brought up and to have those conversations i hope that some of that helps i know it's it's i wish there were easy answers and they're not always easy but i think that the people that we can say those things to in a in a kind way that shows us that we're shows them that we're not there to attack that we just really want things to work better um that probably helps them and us both hey we have another raised hand good and that's larry hey larry hey debbie it's interesting because some of the thank you uh allison she just lowered my hand i didn't communicate that to her she just did it on her own so she's learned tremendously from this call lower your hand yeah. <laughs> thank you so much anyway it's funny i i thought to myself many times i am so glad i'm old because not that i've i'm not that i've learned everything because i never stop learning but it's nice to be able to react based on what i've learned rather than to be in that that mode where I'm afraid to do something because well, somebody might think I'm weird or stupid. A lot of the games we used to play as kids, as younger oh, people. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Not so reactive. And, you know, uh, Cindy was saying that earlier today about, you know, when other people think, whatever people think of us, um, we have no control over. Well, there are a couple of things I love to say about that. One is the phrase, what other people think of me is none of my business. Like, I can't really do anything about that. And really, I have enough between my own ears to deal with without worrying about what they think. Um, I like the phrase a friend of mine used to say, don't let anyone walk around in your head with their dirty feet. And so um, sometimes... Yeah, to just not take all that on. But it's easy to say and not always easy to do, especially when it eats at us or we feel like, oh, you know, they didn't see me in my best light. And now they've decided stuff about me that isn't what I want them to think or what I want them to know. And, you know, they're not, they're, they're saying stuff about me that I don't like or they're thinking stuff about me that blah, blah, blah. But to get to a place where we have more wisdom that's what i think i'm hearing you say mm -hmm. that you know you have more wisdom now and you can respond without reacting so much when and, yeah. when we meaning my wife melinda who is now gone of course and you know that because we've had conversations about that over five years yeah. uh when we got together we got together and were friends for a year Mm -hmm. Good. And then after that, I wasn't working. She was. I wasn't. And so, you know, we agreed because we talked all the time. We communicated all the time. And so mm -hmm. we we agreed that we were not going to get married 
until I actually had a job. So it took another couple of years. So we knew each other for like four years before we even got to that stage. And as we as we actually lived as a married couple, uh, we also agreed that if we had disagreements, we never had a fight, but we had arguments. We had disagreements from time <laughs> to time, but we would always talk about it. Always, and we would never go to bed angry. We would apologize, yeah. and we'd always oh. say, I love you, every mm-hmm. single day. Yeah. And our communications yeah. with each other was incredible because I learned so much from her, and she learned a lot. She knew she didn't know any twins before, but she, before she met myself and John, and she just thought the whole tw- twin aspect was fascinating. So, <laughs> Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we, so we, cool. it was a marvelous relationship. And mm-hmm. so much of what you've just talked about now is terrific. So mm-hmm. that's so good. Yeah. And you know, there again, I know that was a ton of stuff to sort of pour out in the beginning. But about so much of it was fighting. common sense. Y- yeah, I but think you know, it was. common sense isn't very common. No, that's very true. Um, Some people don't have it. Yeah, <laughs> they don't. And but to think about the five love languages, the eight types of intimacy, the five types of touch. And I and I especially love the four T's. Um, trust those is, are yeah, trust, ta- trust, time especially. and trust, especially. touch, talk, time and trust. Yeah, those are. It's amazing. There are a lot of people that they don't think about this stuff. I mean, and it's not just blind people. There's tons of sighted people that you actually. I'm preaching to the choir on that. Yeah. You know, yeah. we all know lots of people that don't think about this stuff. They just kind of are like, it, it. it's too scary. I think too many people are afraid that what they don't know, if it's seen too clearly, then they, they're going to be seen as a failure. Mm-hmm. Or if the worst things that are about them make them a failure. But really, that's not true. No, it's, it's not. not true. It's not. Yeah. And if you confront this stuff, it's, you know, helps you learn. Yep. So. Well, I, mm-hmm. I have learned that too. You know, I mean, I mean we all have. I, I, absolutely. And if you lose trust, I've seen friends of mine go through that. Oh, yeah. They do something oh. stupid. Try and get that trust back. If you do, marvelous, but it takes a long it's time. It's hard. It's yeah. very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It can be very hard. And it may be hard to trust self, um, you know, with that. I mm-hmm. mean, I, I know, um, I heard a story the other night about um, a man who um, let his, his his dog, his guide dog, got out the front door and um, and got in the wrong place at the wrong time, and it never had happened. It, oh, the dog had always been so safe, but the dog got killed. Um. And the man said he would never be able to forgive himself. So trusting in self oh, is, is some of the hardest. Yes. Or people who have left their little babies in the car and yep. and forgotten and gone to work and didn't drop their baby off. You know, I think for not forgiving, the hard thing is to forgive self. And, and yeah. I think that can be very hard, even in a very close relationship, mm-hmm. to forgive self. Yeah. I'm going Gosh, away now. More questions. Time for any somebody more? else. Yeah, do we, we have, have any more? No hands at the moment. And while we're stopped, I'll just let you know that we have 14 minutes until the top yeah. of the hour. So Wow, I went fast. I probably could have, mm. you know, as I was going, I thought, well, maybe I should pause and see if anybody wants to talk <laughs> about these things. But I didn't think that 
we it, we would have with Marilyn. So I just kind of kept on going <laughs> to put all that together. But, um, you so know, Debbie, I also, if I, if yeah, I could, just since we have some time, mm -hmm. um, we just a few announcements I'd like to make. So for those of you that are here tonight, we've got a good turnout, 28 plus people tonight. People are coming and going, but um, ACB Dybex in Action also has our casual chats. So our next casual chat will be on um, the uh, Saturday 21st. the 21st. Uh, and Larry will be our facilitator, so it'll be good. And then we will turn right around again in two days and have our second casual chat on the 23rd, which unfortunately is, you know, short timing, but that's what it is. And um, our uh, Secretary Darla Klein will be taking that meeting. So those of you that are interested in coming to our casual chat, it's a totally open no subject matter. It's an open conversation for anybody to come and talk about whatever they want to talk about. And uh, it's again that peer-to-peer -peer support model that we so embrace. And uh, so we invite you to come on the 21st and the 23rd to uh, talk about whatever's on your mind. So I thought since we had a minute, um, Allison, we could just put that in there. So I would just say, I know, you know, we went fast, but, you know, there are many feelings that undoubtedly come up, um, you know, when someone first loses their sight or becomes diabetic or has any number of, and, you know, and there are other things that do come up that tie in with intimacy, not only mm -hmm. procedures, but with things that can go on or that maybe aren't happening and Marilyn is fine with talking about that, but she also has another person that she would be glad to refer um, you all to who is a sexologist who specializes in diabetes and um, sexuality. And But I would make that a separate kind of a something um, that is in your own affiliate. You could even make it like a all-day Saturday or something. Sure. that isn't a community call per se mm -hmm. um and like i think there were a lot of things that are very general in this that are okay but to go further with it i would have it as a totally separate something and yep. and you might even want to have breakouts for some private kinds of things um you might have topics that go to breakouts or you might have just groups of people that want to talk in breakouts but those would be some things i would suggest and it it is a very real kind of thing and i think even just dealing with our health and dealing with sexuality dealing with intimacy um it those are things that really deserve our privacy and and dignity and respect and we don't mm -hmm. always get that in the medical arenas mm -hmm. and we deserve it and we need it and advocacy around those things might be another good topic um you know i know i've had to say to to doctors you know um i you know please address me or to nurses uh, you know yep. who are you asking of this and don't assume that the person who brought me to my appointment is the one who's going to answer your questions and don't ask me these questions in the waiting room in front of other people you know all those things yep. yeah 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 
And so advocacy is very important and, um, you know, and, and again, the emotional intimacy of who to trust, who is okay to trust, um, to share concerns, feelings, etc. Very important. And know what you want. And, and even, you know, be willing if you need to be able to say, you know, I'm not exactly sure what I want, but why don't we, you know, why don't you just let's try this, whether it's talking or touching or whatever it is, and let's give each other feedback about what works and what, you know, what we would like to have different. I mean, that's just part of relationship building. We have a raised hand whenever good. you're ready. Well, okay. Good. All right, Terry, you may unmute and talk. And I have a question for Debbie. Um, sure, I just want to say thank you so much um, for this gentle opening of the door to many mm -hmm. levels of conversation. I love that mm -hmm. one day um, healthy sexual awareness day. That would yeah. be really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll talk, Mr. President. And um, the what I want to talk about for myself is... Um, I am 51 years old and my 45 years with sight um, when it comes to healthy sexual wellness, it's the same. But one thing is, is one of my barriers has been taken away on um, my sight. Mm -hmm. So the way I can tell if I am, um, I'm a hugger. <laughs> yeah. And some people apologize i said attracted to somebody hugger um, right i'm no i'm i hug everybody um that's how i <laughs> yeah no i hear you my, okay. yeah i'm a hugger right. and some people take the hug you know so um this weekend i went to another blind event and um had a great time and but it was very obvious that a hug for me, means something totally different than yeah. others. Sure. And so what do I do about that? Because, you know, when I had sight, you know, you had the little flirty looks and, you know, you made eye contact and, you know, there was that across the room, you know, uh, well, I, playfulness. But yeah. now I just hug everybody and everyone. And some yeah. people take it to mean something else. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I am not ashamed to tell everybody about my past, but I was violently raped when I was 12 years old, walking home from cheerleading practice. And so that, you may be more tuned into uh, like, oh, no, uh, I don't want anything that resembles that. I don't want anything. Yeah. That, and so, you know, here's a couple of things. I think that communication i think verbal communication and touch have much 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 more meaning for us in a way than than they might for sighted people not that they don't but i think they're it's more intense and i've asked people who have gone blind if they've noticed people communicating with them in a way that feels different or sounds different to them and the they said, oh, yeah, they really notice the difference. And they also notice the absence of it, um, maybe more after they've lost their sight. Um, I think some of it is that there are different kinds of hugs. 
like um, in that self-esteem book, I wrote about the difference between hugging versus holding. I think a lot of people um, don't get held and don't um, don't um, know how to get held and and that hold holding is more of a I can let go versus hugging that's like real brief maybe um, and is is still not necessarily the same as oh it's safe to let go and and I actually got a client just who read that in my book and wanted me to work with him based on that in and of itself um, but. At the same time, um, Dr. Sid Simon wrote a book, and I, I, it was something about touch. He also wrote books on values clarification. But he said there were several different kinds of hugs. And he said one was the A-frame, that it's like your, your heads sort of come together, <laughs> or maybe your shoulders, and then there's yeah. this big space. And yep. he said there's the, the wallet hug, you know, like your wallets might touch. It's like the side hug or the half is half a chest is better than none. <laughs> and um, and then he talked about the full hug from nose to toes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I like that, but I don't like it with everybody and everybody doesn't like it. And so um, I would say, you know, sometimes just a. a an arm around a shoulder and a, you know, uh, maybe uh, a little bit of patting on the shoulder or something and a, maybe a little bit of a half a hug, if you know you don't want to be misunderstood, might be not as likely interpreted as a full, I'm going to hug you deeply and completely, because that might get misinterpreted, yep. if that helps. Yeah, because I'm a good 20-second hugger, because we know... Yeah. A twenty-second hug mm -hmm. increases your sure. oxytocin, which is right. Your but you're right, but you're not there to be everybody's nurse, and so if you don't want to feel responsible, you might not give everybody that twenty-second hug. You know, right. and yeah. so yeah, I hope that helps. Else, yeah. any hands out there? No more hands, and we have two minutes. Mm, wow. So I will just say, Debbie, thank you so much for your presentation tonight, and for carrying the torch i hope marilyn recovers quickly oh yeah i'll be we checking all think about her and we'll uh we'll figure out a time to get her back and do something sure. a second time allison thank you so much for hosting tonight uh you did a great job as always i want to thank everybody for being here tonight and i will remind you that if you look for more information you can check out our website at www.acbda.org um and if you had questions tonight that you didn't get answered or didn't have a chance to answer please send us an email at acbdaorg at gmail.com and we'd be happy to i guess debbie you know share yeah. those with you or share those yeah. with marilyn and um yeah we'll you, and we'll marilyn said you want yeah yeah there are if you really want to get deeper into uh what you hoped this was going to be there are plenty of people out there and i know i work with people but there are others and so does marilyn but there are plenty of others depending on what it is you're needing who can help this has been a great great start to this topic and i'm really happy that acbda was able to bring this to the forefront of the conversation and i thank you debbie in particular for okay great very job. good so thanks thank so much, you guys have a good night everybody